Good morning, everyone. Just want to welcome you back to Fielding's Rambling Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Action T4, the Nazi Euthanasia Program, and also going to be discussing some options for you to do in your research, as that is looming on the horizon and something that's, that you can start doing at home, and that will transfer back to when we go to school. Um, just off the bat, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Vanilla, Pepsi Max, Zero Calories, Maximum Taste, and Beyond Neat. Go Beyond. As always, if you like the podcast, you like the content, you're welcome to support. Go ahead and hit subscribe, and we'll go from there. So... Um, this one's going to be a little bit different. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide three questions throughout the podcast. Three questions that if you find the answer to, the first person who submits those to me will receive a gift. Well, not so much a gift, but a prize that will be redeemed when school reopens. So we'll go from there. You'll be listening carefully for those. Some of them are straightforward, some of them you might have to do a little bit of research for, and this will be on top of looking at the task on the classroom, which is analysing the three ways that eugenics has been revised, sort of in a revisionist historical sense over time. So there's a reading there from Jonathan Marks to have a look at. So without further ado, I'm going to hit you with the first question that I'd like to, to get the answer for. In the last podcast, we looked at the German equivalent of the ERO. Now, the ERO was the Eugenics Record Office, which was established in Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory in New York. So the German equivalent was based on this, and it was known as the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute. So the question is, what year was the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute set up? That's question one. What year was the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute set up? Right, so on to action T4, the Nazi Euthanasia Program. So it was initiated in 1939, and this is on a, a teleological arc of destruction, essentially, that began with the, the, the earlier policy that had been instituted in Germany around sterilisation. So 1939, it's initiated. It continues on to 1941 officially. However, it goes underground until 1945 when the war ends. So October 1939, we've got Hitler who has empowered his own personal physician to kill people considered unsuited to live. Essentially, this is looking at hospital beds, the elderly, those who are sick, those who are disabled, they want to free up those hospital beds potentially for soldiers, but they also want to remove these people from society in general. So Hitler backdates his order to September 1st, 1939, the day that World War II began. So this gives the appearance that it's a wartime measure and not a eugenic one. Within a few months, the program uh, became really popular across Germany and involved virtually the entire German psychiatric community. Um, a lot of data had been gathered throughout the 30s about who the people were that were going to be needed to be sterilised or to be euthanised. 
So there is quite a database of people uh, lined up to get this treatment. So the main idea was to kill anyone that was deemed to have a life unworthy of living. Hitler liked to describe them as being useless eaters. Now some physicians active in the study of eugenics who saw Nazism as an applied biology enthusiastically endorsed this program with eugenics essentially promising to end a lot of the issues that doctors work on in terms of genetic deformities, etc., there was a lot of fear within the community, within the physicians' community, that their work would dry up. There would be nothing for them to look at you know, further. So they saw these, these opportunities with Action T4 and the sterilizations as a way to actually advance their profession. If they were going to be you know, without work, essentially, they needed to create another avenue for income, another avenue for study. So they, they, were, they were keen to experiment on these people on the whole. So an important criteria for this was an economic one. Nazi officials assigned people to this program largely based on their economic productivity. Are you a plus for society? What are you contributing to society? Or are you just, as Hitler would say, eating off, um, off, off the, the backs of others? Um, so you were living what he described as a burdensome life. Now, while the program's personnel killed people at first by starvation or neglect, as we saw in the previous PowerPoint, they also used things like lethal, lethal injection. Asphyxiation by poisonous gas basically showed itself to be the preferred killing technique. It was cheap um, and it was efficient and effective. So physicians oversaw the gassing in chambers and they were disguised as showers. This was the same technique that was going to be used at lots of different death camps across Europe. There were six chambers in total and they were built across Germany and Austria for the specific purpose of killing these undesirables. Now, the relatives of those who were deceased, they received condolence letters. There were falsified death certificates signed by physicians and urns containing their ashes. So it was a total cover-up, and we can actually see this at the death camps where people would, um, you know, send fake Red Cross postcards, you know, to people and their family across other parts of the world, saying we're okay, we're fine, you know, we're getting the, the such and such food, such and such shelter resources, to try and wave off the concern about the camps. Um, now, quote from Hitler here, in terms of Action T four, he says that wartime is the best time. For the elimination of the incurably ill. You know, war creates a great cover for a lot of societal issues that want, want to be resolved, and, and this was definitely one of those factors. So, whilst we're, we're sticking in Nazi wartime Germany, here's question number two. Now, during this time period, there are a lot of restrictions on the importing of goods, specifically in the United States. Uh, they were they were reluctant to export their goods into Germany. One good in particular was Coca-Cola. So the head of the Coca-Cola factory in Germany, he decides to create their own soda, and the name was Fanta. So the question is, how did the name Fanta come about? How did they get to the name Fanta? That's question two. 
So moving down the PowerPoint there, just to the last slide, some of these physicians that were working in the, the six camps that were performing the Action T4, they became specialised in the technology of this, this murder, essentially, and they were often staffed in death camps. Many of these people had links to the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute. They were linked to eugenics. But the shift from killing the ill, killing the elderly, to killing a race of people is where it sort of shifts from eugenics to uh, a genocide. So these physicians had long since lost all their moral, professional and ethical inhibitions. Once they had killed these people here, it was a lot easier for them to kill the people and be responsible for overseeing the killing of those in the death camps themselves. On August the 24th, 1941, almost two years after the program was initiated, it appeared to cease. In fact, what had happened is it had gone underground and continued covertly during the war years. While the program claimed over 70,000 victims during its two years of open operation, the killing centres murdered even more victims between the official conclusion of the program and the fall of the Nazi regime in 1945. Now we can ponder why the, the statistics aren't accurate. There were a lot of files that were destroyed. We know that these, these birth certificate, death certificates sorry, have been falsified. So where is the truth? It's, it's somewhere in there. The, the idea is that it was hundreds of thousands essentially end up being killed. So the total number killed under the T4 program, including the covert phase, may have reached approximately 200,000 or more. However, the official conclusion of the T4 program in 1941 also coincides with this escalation of the Holocaust and the culmination of Nazi programs which were designed to eliminate the others and create this idea of their master race and, and show that through. And again, that might be something that you want to investigate for your research. So that's a very brief overview of Action T4. There's obviously a lot more depth that you can go into. It's really a teaser for you to, is this, is this an aspect that I want to delve into? Often lots, lots of people get confused with the idea that eugenics caused the Holocaust. Well, anti-Semitism and racism was prevalent in Europe before this happened. This was supposedly a scientific um, measure and it was to result in there being a better society down the track. Now, you might argue that killing all the Jews, the Nazis thought that was going to be the case as well, that it was going to create a better society, but it's not eugenic in nature. So you want to look at you know, eugenic being the petrol that drove the, you know, or helped drive the truck and the truck being the Holocaust. So you sort of, you can't have one without the other, but essentially the truck does the damage itself. It just needs a little bit of fuel, fuel to the fire. Now that will lead me to question three, question three for your prize. Question three is, what drug, so what drug beginning with P did historian Norman Ohler, Norman O-H-L-E-R, so what drug beginning with P did he discuss in his book Blitzed on Nazis on drugs? So his book Blitzed was all about during Nazi Germany, the different drugs that they were taking. Uh, for various different reasons. Uh, 
So there's one specific one that starts with P. What is that? That is your third question to go along with the revisions. Um, I'm just going to to stop talking about the action T4 stuff here now, just to flick over to possible topics that you could do for your research. So if you've done history before, you understand that a key part of the assessment, the internal assessment, is a research folder. You get to choose what topic out of our racism theme that you would like to to discuss further. Now, the only sort of thing you need to be take note of is that it does need to link back to New Zealand, and I can help you with that. So, essentially, we're going to pick one topic. You're going to have either two or three focus questions. Those are going to be to what extent questions. That's going to open up various amounts of research that you can find. And also when it comes to doing the assessment afterwards, which is a written report, you'll be able to answer that better because you can look at both sides of the coin. So going way, way back for our topic, we started looking at where race science came in, um, the role of the Enlightenment. That's definitely an area we, of research that you could look at. How did that change? To what extent did the role, to what extent did the Enlightenment period play a role in developing race science? That could be something that you looked at. Then you, for that to link it to New Zealand, that could go to the way that the British viewed their colonial processes, etc., etc. Um, it could look at some of the Eurocentric and ethnocentric views. You could look at how race science had evolved over time. We looked at people like Samuel Cartwright. We looked all the way through up to, to Darwin and eugenics that way. So you could look at how that's changed or even how race science affected New Zealand. You could look at policy. You could look at various different things. You've got eugenics in its totality. So that could be eugenics, the eugenics movement in the United States, the eugenics movement in Germany, the eugenics movement and how it went worldwide, the globalisation of the eugenics movement into New Zealand and sort of what effect that had. You could look at the Holocaust and the denials, something that we touched on. You could look at the role of eugenics and the Holocaust. You could look at eugenics in Nazi Germany, that sort of thing. How does that link to New Zealand? Well, during the, the periods of the concentration camps, so this is before the death camps, many Jewish refugees tried to uh, escape Europe. Now, New Zealand, the government discussed how many refugees we would like to take, and I think there was, it was proposed 10,000, but we said we would only take 1,000, and the, the reasons why we wouldn't take more were, you know, were due to these stereotypes, essentially, about the Jewish people and their ability or inability to integrate into society. So there's that. You've also got the idea of the lunatic asylums. We've got Seacliff Asylum here. That moved into Cherry Farm and into Waikari Hospital. There are many other asylums across the country. You could look at um, case studies in New Zealand versus case studies in Britain. Was there something different there? You could tie that into Truby King and Plunkett. There's lots of different local history stuff that's going to have primary sources that you can use, and those are going to be really, I guess, important for you. Part of this task is that you, you show initiative, which is going to be quite hard if we're still at home, but 
you know, if you look at the university, lecturers are still working. So it's going to be things like emailing them, getting information, getting some sort of interview, getting getting something like that, that counts as initiative. So with eugenics in New Zealand, University of Otago have two people in particular who are experts in that field. One is Dr. Angela Wanhalla, who works at Otago, and another is John Stenhouse. Dr. John Stenhouse, he works at Otago as well. Um, they're very approachable. They've come and talked at Kings before, experts in their field. Definitely, if I was if I was you guys, I'd be looking at something to do with that. Um, bring it back to New Zealand, although it's not necessarily the coolest thing. Um, it does help you understand your own backyard and the makeup of our society. You could look at the racial policies, white New Zealand policy, white Australia policy, white uh, USA policy, that sort of thing. And if you are doing scholarship, um, then there's an opportunity there for you to tailor these two assessments specifically on scholarship topic or scholarship content. So we can talk about that individually if you want to email me rather than, than have everybody discuss that. So there are a range of topics there. You need to pick something that has an aspect of controversy um, or debate that's going to allow the second assessment. It's going to give you uh, a lot more scope. You're not going to have to try and fabricate cr uh, critiques or fabricate controversy because it's just there. You also need to have access to primary and secondary sources. So if you're going to be something that's, you know, like in the past we've used just basic websites, that's, that's not going to cut it this year. The, the, the websites need to be basically government websites. You need to be using primary documents. You're not going to need as many as you have in the past, as many sources, but the ones that you do have are going to have to be really, really good um, from there. So the next thing that I'll be posting on the classroom after all this is going to be the template for your preliminary research. So you really need to nail down a topic sort of early, early next week your preliminary research is basically, you get marked for that where you haven't in the past. So that's going to be, you need to take note of all the websites that you use and what you expected to find from all of them and have that on a dock to start with. And next week I'll go through what the actual task is. It's a complicated one. Um, you Can you let me know in the comments whether it's going to be better for you to, to do it in a podcast format or a Zoom format or me just... I guess I can't really type it again, but I can try and simplify the instructions and go from there. So essentially that's it, guys. That's um, some ideas for your topics for research. That's an overview of Action T4. You've got the three questions in there for answers. You've got the reading for the revision, revision revisionist aspects of eugenics, which is the second document on the PDF document on this, this post here. So, yep, thank you for listening. Um, I tried not to click my pen this time, and hopefully I'm not saying um as much as I did the first time. So I hope you're all doing well. It'll be interesting to see how this level three happens if that is the case and what a classroom's going to look like if one or two guys are at school and everybody's back at home. But I hope you're doing well. I hope you're keeping your sanity Enjoy the rest of your weekend whenever you're listening to this or your week. And we'll talk soon. So get on to those questions, flip them to me. And again, if you enjoyed the podcast, hit subscribe. 
And thank you to my sponsors, Vanilla Pepsi Max and Beyond Meat. Go vegan.